Hey, how's it going? Tommy Taylor here. And I'm Desnica, and welcome to the Marriage 2.0 podcast. that went through just about everything bad someone can go through in marriage quadruple times over and came out more in love than ever and using our story to inspire and give hope to the world. Since we've come out of our version of hell on earth, we have built a global marriage coaching business mentoring hundreds of couples and individuals all around the world. We've helped them fix issues like affair recovery, communication, intimacy issues, addictions, and all forms of abuse when no one else could. We've gone through all of these things plus so much more, so we get it. We tried everything out there from counseling, therapy, intensives, webinars, hundreds of books, and even tactics like slow to speak, quick to listen. And the truth is, all of those things were just band-aids that left us on an emotional roller coaster from hell. We truly believe that when you couple a heart for God and a strong desire for massive action, anything is possible. But honestly, most of us are never given the right knowledge. The Marriage 2.0 podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, sports, health, entertainment, and finance in order to help you live the purpose-filled life God designed for you so that you can live an inspiring life filled with more freedom, love, and impact. So get ready to learn the stuff that no one ever taught you about marriage. Your old marriage is dead and marriage 2.0 starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode. So today we're going to be talking about overcoming the emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm in your marriage and relationship here. And so this is number one, obviously a huge topic. I mean, it's, it's one of the main things that honestly, if you were to break it down that people go through, um, I mean, emotional roller coaster can encompass a lot of different areas, but it's still clearly a very, very big issue that honestly people want off of that ride to oh, yeah. begin with. And most likely, you know, being on the emotional roller coaster, you're probably walking on eggshells a lot of the time, just never knowing what your day is going to consist of, what what version of your spouse you're going to get. I just know, I remember, you know, thinking, uh, I wonder what, what I'm going to come into today, you know, when Tommy would come home or when I would walk in the door. And so you might be in that aspect of just like, what is it going to consist of? And might be on edge, just questioning, like, when is the other shoe going to drop like, if if it is peaceful, I just know something's going to happen. And right. When we went through this, I mean, we're going to talk about that, but when we went through this, it was a living hell on earth. Like I wouldn't wish that emotional roller coaster ride on anyone, even no. my worst enemy. And so like you could be on an emotional roller coaster for a lot of different really perceived reasons. I mean, maybe there was an affair or multiple affairs even, and now there's a lot of triggers. It could be and even intrusive thoughts there too which there's that, then you got also like you just two may have a lot of different walls between you two, honestly, like that caused a lot of more or less hurt or pain. And now there's a huge loss of a major big loss of honestly connection, intimacy, and as a result of a lot of walls and resentment and bitterness. Yeah, it's just like that all of these different aspects have come into play. And, you know, everyone's story is slightly different, whether, you know, what it was that caused that division, but the emotional roller coaster is is oh my gosh that is the so so common and such a nightmare to be on so we're gonna be talking about this and one of the things that we hear all the time all the time is i want to work on it but i'm tired i'm tired of being tired i'm at the end of my rope i want it to work 
but there's just so much hurt and pain between us. I don't see how it's possible. There's there's been too much. So I don't know. I don't know how it could work. Yeah, another another one we hear is like we we've tried to fix honestly everything. We tried to fix it, but it just ends up in the same place. However, if we're to be honest, it really ends up worse. To be honest, there at that point, not just not just in the same place. It just ends up being in a worse place. And we get it. Like we tried a lot of things too. Mm-hmm. It ends up really a lot of times being like that one step forward, three steps backwards, or one step forward, ten step backwards type of cycle. And you know we hear that all the time. And also just people telling us that they're tired of being on the emotional roller coaster. And we hear all of these statements thousands of times every month. So often, like this is such a common aspect. So if you're in this situation, you are not alone, but you also don't have to stay there. No marriage. Here's the thing. Like marriage can be an amazing gift that God, God doesn't one, God doesn't give crap gifts one on that. Let's just put that out there Two, It's not him that messes it up. It's, people and so when it boils down to it it can be a living heaven on earth it can be amazing on earth it can be awesome right his kingdom coming here to earth and those things like that it can be his his fruits the holy spirit it can be amazing but or it can be a living hell on earth Mm -hmm. so it's usually one or two it's usually not a medium anywhere in between there yeah it's it's so don't have to say, you know, stay in hell on earth. You don't have to stay on this emotional roller coaster and um, in that aspect and know it's not normal. And it, it's not what's normal. It's like what's healthy in that aspect. And so you can have a marriage where you're not on this emotional cycle. It doesn't matter if that's what everyone in your life is on or not. That doesn't mean that's what every marriage looks like. And in fact, it's unhealthy and you can have a consistent, stable relationship where you know your spouses aren't your spouse isn't cheating on you and you know you're not yelling and screaming and breaking things and those types of things like you can have that yep but we're gonna be talking about three different points today we're gonna be talking about number one our story on the emotional roller coaster going some detail there for you guys um there's a lot of stuff that people don't hear on the internet they just hear surface level stuff but we're gonna go into decent details there we're going to mistakes that we made in trying to get off of the emotional roller coaster and fix it And then we're going to talk about how we stopped it and got off the emotional roller coaster permanently. Yes. And so obviously, like we have been through this and we went through this in a very big way in so many different areas, to be honest. You know, we did get to the point where we hated each other and legit hated each other. I had planned. It sounds so terrible. I had, but I did. I had thought about ways to get him like killed and collect as well. Cause you know, of course I wanted to collect the, the, the insurance money on that. Um, and I was like, yeah, I could do it. And I was almost convinced of it. And so I'm so thankful. I did not obviously, but yeah, both of us were, well, I wasn't looking at insurance. I could care less about that or the money aspect. It was more of the, I just wanted out of it. And it was like, you know, till death do your part. Okay. Can, can we arrange the death part? And If they die of their own doing, maybe I can push them to that. I don't know. Yeah. And so, it, <laughs> it sounds terrible. It is. Um, but And we laugh about yeah. it now because, one, we're healed. So if you can laugh about it, that's when you know you're healed. So that's why we can joke about it. And it is. And it, I mean, it is terrible to admit, but at least we're honest about where we were. And if you're like, oh, wow, well, okay, I'm not that bad. Like, I don't want my spouse to die. Well, good. I'm glad that you don't. But if you don't change anything and continue in the cycle that you've been on. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. 
Don't worry. Have no fear. You can and will get there to that point. If you're not already there, if you're not close, if you're farther away from that, don't worry. I promise it will get worse if you don't do the right things. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot, you cannot fix this on your own. Like it, you have to understand like you need to be able to do this the right way or else there, there's one right way. There's a lot of wrong ways. Let's put it that way. And so just to know that you don't have to be like, well, I'm not there yet, but yeah, it's, it can happen. And we actually fought about everything, literally anything and everything. He could walk in and say hi, and I would find a reason to fight about it. Like you said that wrong. What's your problem? What's your deal? Or it'd be like, the sky is blue. And we would fight over whether the sky was blue or not. I'd be like, no, it's not. It's, it's like white today. It's not blue. Like, I don't know what your problem is. And we would fight about anything and everything. Yeah, a lot of people that I talk to on the phone, uh, they can talk about primarily logistical day-to-day things. And, but then they can't talk about deeper things. That's super common. We, most of the time, could not talk about either. No. No, it was nothing. It was nothing without fighting. We fought about it all. Yeah. In and all aspects. It, it's a, the problem is when you put two people, I mean, I wasn't always alpha, but like when she, when you put two people that are our alphas in a home and, and are unhealthy individuals on top of that and have a lot of stuff they haven't overcame and gotten through. And then it's just a mix for dynamite. Yeah. And for those of you who are like, well, you don't understand. They're stubborn. Yeah, I get it. Tommy we and I are very, very stubborn. stubborn. That's why we fought about everything. So we Still get it. Still till this day. Um, yeah, we get it. And we dreaded being around each other. Hated seeing each other. I literally would do, I would I would work more so I didn't have to see him. I would avoid coming home. I would take the kids and go do anything and everything other than being in the same presence as Tommy. Complete avoidance in that aspect. I just, I knew that if I saw him, we were going to fight. It was going to be miserable. And I did not want to see him. And, uh, you know, it was exhausting. So I truly, truly did avoid and did not want to be around him whatsoever. Yeah. And we had, we had a lot of different like things go on, like between us from, and you may have heard some of these things, but we've had a lot of different emotional affairs, physical affairs on both sides. Yes. Honestly, a ton of them on both sides. Yes. On both sides. And uh, clarification if you're texting someone of the opposite sex and have to delete it or, you know, your spouse doesn't know about it or would not be liking it or comfortable with it, that's cheating. It's cheating. I don't care what you try and like label it. it it's an affair of some sort. Yep. And we had, um, we had, the, we had, we had those. those smaller things. And then we had the full blown affairs, the full blown affairs, physical, emotional, both sides, a lot of them, a lot of them. And it was one of those things we'd go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and there was even affairs with, friends there was even affairs with you know people that knew we knew that knew other people it was just there was a lot of different things that happened within these things and it caused a lot of different drama caused a lot of different not trauma well trauma too but drama a lot um, of drama a lot of drama within our circle and within a lot of things and man it was just constant questioning constant investigator mode i remember uh was it technically a drug but he did drug me it's what it is you did I put a bunch of I put a bunch of melatonin, like a lot of it, uh, sleeping melatonin in, in like I don't know what it was, like a tea or something. And um, no, let's probably be real. It's probably wine. Yeah, it's probably wine. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Um, but, <laughs> let's yeah, be we, real there. Or she was really a big alcoholic back then. But um, 
I did that, got into her phone, found a bunch of stuff. I even hid, hid cameras behind the bed to try to get my password. Get, get the, like, she, because you know, you, when you lay, you look at your phone and stuff, and I would put a camera behind there and then screen the footage to find out what the password was to get into the phone. So we're not but saying you, to do that because that's super unhealthy. No, I'm not giving you ideas. And that it's terrible, but we're sharing how bad we were. Right. Like, so we, we get that aspect. And I, when, when we say like I was a full blown alcoholic, I was a fully functioning walking alcoholic. People had no idea and I could show up and I, I could still show up, but man, I started drinking before lunch through lunch. And it was typically, let's just be real. My diet, my whole diet consisted of Cheerios, chips, some cheese dips, sometimes margaritas and wine. And yes, I did have a box wine above my bed and I could sit there and just refill it as I wanted to. And it was great at that time because that's where my mind was. So a uh, fully functioning, terrible alcoholic. And I still worked. I still took care of everything I needed to, but I just, it was bad. It was really, really, really bad. Yeah. We also had other addictions like porn and stuff like that. I mean, I, I never really got addicted to alcohol myself. It was more of a, I did force myself to drink. I crashed my car once and. Uh, that was entertaining. Um, but drank a whole bottle of, I think Jack Daniels or something like that, just to get, try to drown stuff out. But at the same time it was, yes, it was on the verge of being alcoholic, but I didn't even like doing it honestly. So it was just, that's the difference. I didn't, wasn't really my thing. Um, but porn, other things I, I went into like vaping and stuff like that when it comes to stuff. And then I went into, um, trying to smoke weed and stuff. And, and there was just a lot of things that I oh, went into to yeah. try to suppress things. It doesn't, I'm no better than she is, or she's no better than I am when it comes to like the, the type of basically vice. It's just, everybody has different ones. And all of them, all of those addictions were literally just to try and numb out and escape from reality because we didn't know how to address the actual issues. So, you know, that's honestly like I can, I can, we have alcohol in the house and I don't drink it just cause it's there. You know, I can have a drink every now and then and be just fine. So, you know, it's not something that like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm still attached to because I have fixed the deep rooted issues. There's not that like, I don't have to avoid it at all costs. And you know, those type of aspects and, you know, to completely heal from that aspect where I'm not, you know, starting at like 10 30 in the morning and going till I crash. So you know, a lot of different aspects there and just clarification on porn. You don't have to have porn in your life. It is a, it brings so much different bad aspects. Like we're not going to super dive into that, but if you have ever been told, well, you know, porn is normal or you should just expect your man to have porn involved in their life. I'm here to tell you like, that is a lie. That's a straight up lie. And no, you don't have to have porn at all. And in fact, it does cause more problems. We'll save that full blown explanation for another day, but just wanted to hit on that belief right there. Absolutely. Also like the physical abuse side of things. I mean, it wasn't really my side towards her. There was some physical abuse. I mean, very slight, like more of shove, a little shove in there, here and there. And I think I fell on her one time um, when she came at me and then- I did come hardcore at him. And then it gave her like a, a pretty sure concussion. Um, she had a big old knot swell up on the back of her head. Um, there was other things from uh, punching, kicking, slapping, scratching, trying to I think stab me once, and then <laughs> run, tried to run me over. Didn't do it, obviously, but 
Okay, yeah, so we're going to specify. I didn't try to run him over. I did think about it because I did charge him with the car, but the thought of me going really to close. prison, it just did not fit for me. So I didn't try. I did think about it, and I did scare him quite bad there. Um, yeah, there was a lot, and that's just the surface level of like things, but there was a lot of things that happened then in terms of physical abuse. And no, it's never okay, no matter who it's from. Um, you know, I could have left and got to a safer place, um, you know, but when it comes down to it, it most of the time it, it wasn't even, it wasn't like a, like a random all the time a thing. It was just more of, um, I would corner her, try and talk about it, follow her and corner her in the bathroom or something like that. Most of the time, yeah. sometimes she would come at me just because of stuff I did. And then I went, when I found out about, but I, yeah, there's a couple of things I found out about and lost my mind. And, um, but a lot of times it was when I was cornered. So I hear that often and it's, you know, well, they, they corner me and they, you know, they just keep coming at me until I explode and that doesn't justify it. So, you know, Tommy cornering me and those types of things doesn't justify no. like what I did. I'm just more saying what I did. Yeah, yeah, he did. And I just wanted to clarify because I hear it so often about like they, well, it doesn't matter what they do how you end up reacting is on you and not on them so that's a huge aspect there but we also went through a lot of mental abuse and so tommy didn't necessarily like you know do the violence towards me but a lot of like the mental aspect and especially you know the there was a lot of fear because he was quite angry and intimidating especially as he hit a lot of things around me yeah or i would hit like walls i threw a chair through a wall literally which yeah. you have to throw that pretty hard to actually throw a chair through a, a sheetrock wall. But Held me hostage in our house one day. I would say that's pretty like mental abuse too. Like in that aspect, he would not let me leave and um, kept blocking the doors and those types of things. And so there was a lot of, of fear there. I would say like that was one of like in the darkest of our dark aspect. Yeah. So there was a lot of mental, I mean, man, it's just, it's, it's honestly hard to even list everything, um, but we're doing our best to mention surface level things here. Um, but and, when it, yeah. sorry. and with so between mental and verbal, just all the, the typical labels of the whole narcissist, bipolar gaslighting. I was so tired of hearing Tommy tell me he, I'm gaslighting him. Uh, that was something that came out a lot. Yeah. And you're gaslighting yeah, we, me. She would lie by omission and, and all these things. And we had, man, we were lies on top of lies. It was hard to keep track of our own lies. Honestly, like, I would say that I, that's a legit statement. Yeah. I didn't know what was truth and what wasn't because I lied so much. It was terrible. Yeah. I mean, we had, man, it was horrible. Um, I can't describe it with words hardly, but we went to verbal abuse too. I'm talking, you know, the Skinner alive with my words, mm-hmm. her the same way, the things that we said to each other, honestly, all the physical abuse, the, the, the affairs, the addictions, the uh, everything else we're about to go through, like the what hurt the worst was things that were said. Yes, I'm not gonna lie, like that was probably the thing that hurt the worst out of everything, and 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 that was that was yeah, that was probably my number one for me. Yeah, that was that was uh, the things that were said. Obviously, like were were the worst, and so between all of these different aspects that we had going on, we had massive trust issues. We didn't trust. I did literally trusted Tommy for nothing. Like I couldn't even trust him to go to the grocery store and pick up milk. Like uh, one, I didn't know who he would end up talking to if he would see someone. But I just couldn't trust him. Or trying to see someone. Yeah, I just even couldn't even trust him though financially to just go pick up things and you know without doing something stupid or I couldn't even trust him to follow through with his word. You know, I might send him to the grocery store and he'd come back with, you know, 
chips and dip or something that he wanted. And I'd be like, where's the milk? And they're like, well, I forgot. Yeah. Um, you know, some just lack of complete trust on all levels there. And for the both of us, I think Tommy could trust, like he trusts me with the kids. Yeah, I did. And, I and did. There, I did. Well, I didn't trust that you wouldn't take them away from me. I did. I believe. Oh, I, I was believed, very facetious. I, believed, I totally would. And I, I believed, told him so. Yeah, I believed that a hundred percent. But, um, but with, as far as being a good mom, yeah, absolutely. Um, best mom still yet I've ever seen. So like, it, it's one of those things that like, she still took care of that. Now a good example, no, nah, not necessarily, um, back then, but as far as like taking care of them and did I trust that she would hurt them or anything like that? Absolutely not. Never. Uh, uh, but so obviously between all of these things, we also had massive communication issues. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into communication issues, I do want to say I trusted her on a scale of one to 10, one being bad, 10 being hundred percent, a negative 50 below zero. Yes. And, and I didn't think trust could ever be rebuilt for, so for, for those of you that think trust can never be rebuilt, it's too damaged. We were worse than probably what you've ever been experienced here. So that being said, it can be rebuilt and we've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. And let's just be really clear. I heard that statement from Tommy. I trust you negative 50 on a scale of one to 10. And I heard that at least three times a day for a long time. There was a, was, you, you, get, you don't understand the gravity of how much cheating, flirting, sexting, like, and then everything else that goes along with that. And then everything else that doesn't like, it was just horrible. And then, yes, we had communication issues. Like we said earlier, we couldn't talk about anything literally without fighting. So we won't go too far into that, but it was bad. Yeah. And we had financial abuse as well. Uh, I would say on both parts. One, I couldn't trust Tommy. He just spent. And then she hid money. And then because I couldn't trust him, I ended up hiding money. And a lot of it. And then she would forget where it was and find it later. But yes. which is kind of funny. But Probably a different story there. But, you know, so I did. I, you know, we weren't a team with finances at all. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of different aspects going on um, there in that aspect. Like I said, I couldn't even trust him just to pick up things. Just He would just spend money. If he had access to it, he would spend it. Yep. And obviously, with all of these things going on, we had massive intimacy issues of like on that, like the emotional connection, it just wasn't there. We had so many walls up between us, like the complete disconnect and strangers. Yeah. Now, the physical aspect of it didn't suffer as much as what some people do. Um, we've heard people go three or four years without having any sex. That wasn't really the case for us. We, I would say stayed mostly consistent with it, except for the times we separated and stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, and then obviously right after affairs and stuff like that. But the, the main part I would say we suffered with the physical intimacy was more after the affairs. And I'm talking like throwing up, crying during the, the getting nauseous, like that stuff like that. That was, that was pretty bad. Yeah. And so if you're like, I don't know how I could ever get past that. Like, you can, you know, cause, and I totally get it. I remember actually, I do remember actually throwing up after, you know, I was just completely disgusted and, um, just so many different aspects it, during that time, because, you know, it was raw, it was fresh. It was, we were unhealed and just, just trying to sweep things under the rug. It does not work. And at that time, like that's what we had done and yeah. it was not working. Yeah. We also of course had identity issues. I would say her more than me, but we definitely both did on a very strong level. Yeah. And this is a big one. And I see this so much. It's in men and women, a lot of times, mostly in women, but it's in both. So there's, we're not going to, you know, negate one over the other in that aspect. 
But for for women, typically what happens is they put everything into their kids and their spouse, making sure, you know, they manage their spouse's emotions and taking care and doing it, all this stuff for everyone else. And then at the end of the day, they're just so done that they don't take care of themselves and they end up losing who they are. And people there, this is, there's a different tolerance for everyone before they hit a break. But Mm -hmm. if you don't take care of who you are, you will hit a breaking point. It's not when, or I mean, it's not if it's when in that aspect, I am so thankful. Mine was in my twenties, like early twenties in that aspect. And, um, then I know people in their sixties that still have been able to suppress their self and been lost since their 20s and it's just spiraling and compounding so everyone hits it at a different point but it's it's a massive issue like you can't put yourself non-existent and i would say honestly to some extent like there's different degrees of identity issues but i would say honestly to some extent everybody that we work with everyone has identity issues oh yeah everyone does Everyone, every single person we've ever worked, and we've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people and talked to tens of thousands of people every year. And honestly, almost all of them have identity issues, I would say. Very rarely, very, very rarely um, do people have identity issues. Then we most, actually, I would even say rarely. I would just say everybody does, to be honest with you. I know it's an infinity statement, but it's generally true. Um, And then also anxiety through the roof. Uh, That was more of on my end and... When I say anxiety, I had, you know, hair loss, blackouts. My heart rate was between 130 and 164 beats per minute, resting all the time, 24-7, 365 days a year for years and years in a row, um, which isn't healthy. My central nervous system was destroyed. Um, I, I rebuilt it, but it was destroyed significantly. Uh, we ha- I had heart palpitations. Uh, I, debate- I I was having... Um, irregular heartbeats which is kind of similar i was i thought i had tachycardia but i didn't and then uh, i was going into rooms and forgetting what i was doing i was having mental breakdowns and just crying randomly i I was in a depressive state which is a whole different topic but i had anxiety through the roof and i thought it was literally going to kill me i did have a couple of panic attacks but i would say those were like maybe three to four during that time um where i had those but Generally, most of the time it was just a lower grade. Um, well, was it lower grade? I don't want. No, I don't, yeah, don't no. want to minimize it, but a panic attack. You can't most of the time like they can go into almost being a heart attack. So I did have a few of those types of things. But like what I'm more talking about is a constant twenty four seven refrigerator sitting on my chest all the time, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some effects of the anxiety. But this point, but. Honestly, it was bad. I even got on Adderall at one point because I was forgetting things and I couldn't even remember what I was doing. So, and I didn't even need it. Yeah. And just to clarify, like it was prescribed. It was like, you know, you need this because you're, you know, whatever that label was at the time. And, but obviously he doesn't, he doesn't take it. He's good. Um, so just clarification there. And we also had different levels of depression as well. I would say I struggle a lot more with the depression, uh, in that aspect. And anyone who knows me knows that I love to have fun. And I got to the point, like, I didn't even want to play games. And so for me, that's a, that's a big, big, big red flag. Yeah. She's super into fun. Like anything fun, 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 fun. Dude, if you want to get me like, just be like, it's going to be a party and there's glitter and fun and just fun and then like okay i'm sold let's let's do it inflatables down like yeah. <laughs> games if you good. labeled an event fun 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 and put it on facebook she would find it i would go 
Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It just is how far off I was in that aspect. And so different levels there. And Tommy also dealt a lot more with like suicidal issues. Yeah. Suicidal issues for me were pretty bad. Um, it got to the point where she didn't even care anymore, honestly, in some ways uh, about me being suicidal. It was more of a shock at first and then it just became normal. Well, and it was say. manipulation. Too. Yeah, it was, it was very manipulative. Like, cause I wanted to get a response. I felt unheard, misunderstood in a lot of the cases, but, and then, you know, it was just like, no one cares. And I was alone and isolated, which a lot of it was my own doing, but I was really suicidal. I mean, I had a gun to my chin 20 plus times, knocked my wrist, razor blades to my wrist. Like, I mean, I, I had pills in my hands. I had almost swallowed a bunch of them one time. Like I, I thought about running into a brick wall with, with different things from motorcycles to cars and stuff like that. And, and it was really, really bad. Um, including, I think at some points I was living out of my car too. And yeah, I mean, I don't think I know. I don't know why I said I think, but I was living out of my car at some points too, homeless. And it was losing all my friends, family, everything, kids, wife, obviously. And, and it was, it was bad. Um, the suicidal condition was bad. And if you're suicidal, it you, you get help. Yeah. One, that's not from, the answer. From people that actually know what they're doing that have actually been there. Yeah. And then I had a ton of triggers too, obviously, as well. Like everywhere, triggers, intrusive thoughts everywhere, which was insanely bad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Everything. So uh, at the time we lived in Texas and Tommy's triggers were anything that related to country, anything, which is all of Texas. Um, you can't even walk into a grocery store without hearing country music in in or driving down and seeing stuff. So it was like you leave the house and he's going to be triggered. And it was like, OK, like I had to prepare myself to just go to the grocery store with him. I was like, can you just not like, I don't want to do anything with you. And just like, that's how bad the triggers were in that time. And it was, it was literally everything we couldn't do. And I didn't like being triggered. Who does? It was just, I felt like more of, I felt the best word, the best way to describe it was more broken and defective. Like I was a burden and that no one would ever want me. I was, I felt like I was just broken and defective. I felt like that, Anytime that I would get triggered over literally anything and everything almost. And it was ridiculous when it came to triggers. Yeah, it was. And so if you're suffering from triggers, it doesn't have to stay that way. It was like mental torture. Yeah. And you can, and you don't have to hide from them forever. So that's, you know, we understand being in that emotional roller coaster, you know, and there's so many different aspects that, you know, aren't being mentioned just because of time's sake in this aspect. But in that on aspect, everything that we went through kept us in that emotional roller coaster. Like we'd be good for, you know, maybe sometimes it was like hours and sometimes it was a few days you know, and just, it got worse and worse in aspects. And so just going forward and back and just well, constantly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say what we were doing, like in terms of the, the actual side effects wasn't, wasn't what kept us in the emotional roller coaster. What we were trying, which we'll try talk about mm, next yes. was actually keeping us in the emotional roller coaster. And what I will say before we dive into this, if you're trying to get help from some idiot that doesn't, hasn't been through this crap that we're talking about, how in the world are they really going to help you? They can't. And if you think they can, I'm sorry, you're ridiculous. So when it comes down to it, no one can actually help you unless they've actually been through these things. It's just what it boils down to. It's not possible. And I remember we actually, so we're going to hit on uh, some of these things. So let's talk about the mistakes we made because 
uh, we made them and we did a great job making these mistakes. And I'll start with sharing with, you know, I read all the books. I was like, okay, I'm going to read the books. I got to fix things and read the love dare, love languages, love and respect. You know, there's lots of other marriage books that I read and I, I tried them and fair uh, recovery books. I mean, you name it. We, we try. Yeah. Uh, and the consistency is just like, show them love, you know, make sure that you're being nice and respect them and do a bunch of nice things for them and, you know, be forgiving. And it's like, okay, so first of all, I'm already freaking doing everything for Tommy. I am, you know, cooking and taking care of finances and taking care of the kids and I take care of the laundry and I do like all these things. And now all of these books and I'm being told in order to fix my marriage, I have to do more. And it's not handling, like, how do you handle the triggers and communication and all of these aspects? And it's just telling me to be nice. And it made me hate him even more. Yeah. And <laughs> here's the truth, honestly, with this. Like, number one, I hate books like The Love Dare. You can tell a person that wrote it, yes, they may have went through the things in some ways, but they didn't actually fix it for good. Because the truth is, if they would have fixed it for good, they would have had the principles and foundations to actually build this. And this book wouldn't have been a load of crap. And so, like, when it comes down to it, it's the dumbest book I've ever read in my life in terms of relationships. This is what happens when you get people that either don't know what they're doing and they write books on, like, actually trying to fix a marriage and they don't know what they're doing. They've never been through the issues. And then you got other people that have been through the issues, but then they haven't actually fixed them and solved them the right way. And then they write books based on it and they give you this false idea of what it's like to actually fix a marriage when they, they themselves haven't actually truly built any real solid foundations. So like it's it's that's what that's what it really boils down to. I was talking to someone the other day. They're like, I'm going to write a book, and they they were seeking help, and they were in still in the midst of having affairs and all of these things. Oh like my gosh. they were in the midst of it, and they're like, I'm going to I'm going to write a book, and I'm like, Oh my god, don't! But like, watch so it you, be like a bestseller. And you have to be careful about. You know, and there's other books out there, particularly for the women, for the ladies, and or ones for the men, and you know, making sure you know that your, your husband has what he needs. And no, like I, he had everything he needed from me. <laughs> that way it wasn't the problem. It wasn't, I couldn't fix Tommy. Like that's not my job. My job is not to fix Tommy. Okay. Yeah, and, it was, that was my job. And my job was to fix me. And so I wasn't fixing me. I was neglecting myself trying to be so wrapped up, up in Tommy. And it was just so backwards. And so led, led massively astray by these books. Okay. So, um, shameful aspect of like to admit that how far I went off into all of these books. Yep. And also we tried tactics slow to speak, quick to listen. And we actually did a whole podcast on this, so we're not going to dive super deep, but Which, yeah, by the way, before you jump down our throats on like, Oh, that's a biblical principle. Yes. We're aware of that, but we did a podcast on it actually debunking, um, a lot of people's version of this because the Bible doesn't mean what you think it means when you actually read this because they take one verse out of context and don't actually apply the rest of the Bible because if one like you can't do that so I'm not going to go yeah. over it here because that's a lot that's one that's a whole podcast by itself go listen to it we'll prove what you know wrong and you'll be on the right track there and so I'm, I'll speak for myself on implementing this. So if you have a fiery one in the relationship who is a really dominant and speaks their mind and is expressive, yeah, I get you. That was me, okay? And I, I so I get it. And so when I tried this tactic of being slow to speak, quick to listen, I might not have spoke as fast and I might have listened, but my face 
showed completely different aspects. And in, in, my, tone. in my tone and in my mind, I literally didn't care. So he would talk and I'd be like, I don't freaking care how you feel. And He's, I'm like, it's just, yeah. and I would have like a clenched jaw and just how I showed up was just so, so being slow to speak and quick to listen is not enough. And again, it just, it made, it made me suppress my emotions. And again, made me feel even more unheard. I was like, I already don't feel heard or loved in this marriage. And now I'm going to have to suppress myself even more fabulous. Yeah. And the thing is with slow to speak, quick to listen, it doesn't solve anything. Mm-hmm. I, I had one. I'm just going to call him what it is, an idiot. Say that, yes, that's the answer to everything. And I'm like, one, you're removed from my group. Goodbye. And then two, like when it boils down to it, like, no, you're wrong. That's not everything. Like, even if she were to monitor her tonality and body language, which she knows how to do now, um, it still wouldn't have fixed it. So be very clear. Like, don't take that as a fix. It still wouldn't have fixed it. No, she it wasn't wouldn't. a healthy individual at her core of things. She wasn't built all the right foundations. It, no, 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 no. doesn't work. No, it does not. And then, of course, you know, stereotypical. We live in America. You have an issue. You're told to go to counseling. So we did. And we went to several different counselors. And um, not several. A lot of different counselors, like secular and non-secular. And it was a garbage, honestly. All of it was. And one, uh, I promise, and the only reason I was, okay, I'm not going to lie. Anger was my my emotion at the time. And I was pretty aggressive. The only reason why I didn't deck this woman in the face is because we were in a church. Like, that, it was a counseling in the church, and we were in the church building. The only reason why I didn't deck her, because when she patted me and told me they're there, and uh, told me it was it was me, <laughs> and I was like, I want to punch you in the face. I about lost it. I lost it. It was not not pretty. I but just kind of course, slightly scooted my chair over the other way because I knew something was could potentially oh just happen. God. I was like, I oh, was this is so like, mad. I was like, you did not know what you just did, lady. And, like, that's about to go wrong for you. And it's not beneficial. Her telling me that it one patting me and telling me they're there and in like negating my emotions and then telling me that it was my fault. And uh, no. So first of all, again, it wasn't just me and it wasn't just Tommy. It was the both of us. And you could clearly tell this is what happens when you see someone who had not been through the things that you have. There was a lot of judgment and they had no comprehension of what we were going through. And one of the statements they had said by the way, like they weren't good at holding their face. They were in their second marriage, by the way, on top yeah. of that. And it's like, okay, so yeah, you have room to talk. I'm like, well, you want to be like us. And I'm like, well, no, no. I don't. Like I want to stay in my first marriage. <laughs> you're right. And like I was advice like, from losers oh. in their second marriage that don't know how to fix it, giving advice. And it, so I was so mad. I was so hot um, in that aspect. And just, you know, their face and be like, why do you two even want to stay together? And I'm like, y'all are Christian counselors asking why we want to stay together with a look of disgust of what we just shared with you. How dare you judge us, you know, in that aspect? That's why we don't judge you on anything that you've done or been through. I, I, We've we been don't, on the other side yeah. of the fence from it. Like, we, we get it. When it comes down to, here's the thing, though, the truth about counseling. One, it, all of it, every counselor to ever exist when it comes to the actual process of counseling is a complete and utter 100% waste of time. And... The methods don't work. I'm not saying the people are bad. I do believe in to some extent that a lot of the devil is working through some of these people because otherwise, why would the fruits be ending a marriage? So like when it boils down to it, um, I don't, I don't like counseling. Neither one of us do it. No. I don't know. Secular, non-secular. It's all garbage. 
You go in, talk about your feelings, get in your feelings, leave with zero action steps, any real action steps, not like little crap things like you think are action steps like books or like tactics. I'm talking real foundational action steps. You leave with none of that and you just talk about your feelings over and over again and it all comes back again over and over again like Groundhog Day, never actually solving anything, right? And so it's it's a complete waste of time. Don't do that. That's one of the things. (laughs) And then webinars is another thing. I mean... The thing about webinars, most of them, they try and tell you the how without the know-how. And I get it. There's a paywall and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're not going to receive the deep foundational stuff from those types of things generally. Now, ours are a little bit different with the way that we, because we'd run them differently with things. Like we actually give actual real good advice on stuff that we do um, and in-depth advice, uh, not like private coaching, but at least in the time frame we're given, we usually give pretty good advice. Um, but then three to four day intensives, those are a whole nother issue. Yeah. And while the three day and four, four, like three, four day intensive is nice in the aspect of like you get away and you just get to focus on just like that. I mean, that can be nice, but outside of that, it's still, it's not everything you need. I even asked, you know, I, I even asked a couple of them, you know, so between the intensives and the retreats, like those types of things, I had asked, I was like, why don't y'all talk about like this, this or this? And like, isn't that really important for the marriage and for, you know, healing and stuff? I'm like, oh yeah, we just don't have time. <laughs> or have time. I was like, okay. Uh, so y'all leave out a bunch of really key aspects because there's not time. So, so in other words, this is a giant money grab for you. I get it. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just, okay. Um, so obviously not everything that you need and a lot of a lot of vague aspects there so it's the definition of promising a unicorn and delivering a donkey yeah which a lot of people do i hate to tell you that but three or four day intensives they have a extremely low very very low success rate and the reason why number one you don't build any real foundations in those things um you don't have time to two also on top of that even the things that they do like they do um, use like one of them used one of the tactics that we use in terms of the tools, but they dive into it on such a surface level. I mean, super surface level when they're intended to dive super duper deep in the subconscious. And that, that's why we do, we do things right. But the way that they did it is garbage. And then on top of that, the success rate, when people leave, they're generally arguing on the way home or at least the next week. Like, it's just, it's what it is. Like, it's it's an emotional high to the roller coaster, and you don't actually fix it. Oh, yeah. The only way to do intensives or retreats right, in my opinion, and I, and I would say our opinion too, is to have the intensive, there's nothing wrong with that, get out of the emotional roller coaster, at least temporarily up front, and then have at least eight weeks of coaching afterwards and help to actually build the right yeah. foundations. Like, I think that would be a good one. We've talked about doing that ourselves, but... As far as like the most of the ones out there, I would say they're pretty much all garbage. Uh, now, another one is we went to therapists, and this is a hilarious yes. one. Yes, and yeah. oh, so we did go to different therapists as well. And of course, we were labeled. Uh, Tommy was labeled narcissist, and you know, and I just I so vividly remember sitting there when they're like, you know, he is a narcissist, right? And it was like they put like this death across my marriage in that second. It was like there's I literally want to go and punch those people in the face. Like when it comes (laughs) down to it, like all people that say that you shouldn't label anyone that. 
They didn't even talk to him. They had only talked to me and heard my side of the story. And there was no EEG done to actually look at brain waves and scientific data, which you can't diagnose anyone unless you have that. Two, does it exist? Sure. We've done a whole podcast, maybe even, I think, multiple at this point on this type of crap, but it's most of it's not real. It was very, very, you want to know how defeating it is or hopeless it is in the aspect to be trying to work on your marriage and fix things and being put with a diagnosis of some sort. And then when you look it up, it says there is no hope and no cure. And it's like, okay, first of all, uh, that's straight from the devil. I'm not going (laughs) to lie to you. It's just straight from the devil. God does. God delivers hope. The devil delivers despair and doubt and Oh, no. I was so, I was like, okay, so um, don't be going to seek out that kind, those kind of things. And I was labeled bipolar. I'm not. I actually know very clearly why I can have, you know, really, really strong days and then days that, you know, I'm not as dominant. So some days I wake up and I can conquer the world. Some days like I can't. And, you know, I just like, I understand myself. And then also between, the, you know, at that time, the emotional chaos and not understanding it, I was showing up like high and low. I'd be like flipping all over the place. I'm like, oh, I love you. I agree. Like, I want to work on things. I hate you. What the heck's your problem? Get out. And like good and bad. And I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. And then I'm not. And he's like, what is your problem? He he thought I was bipolar too. Yeah. And then also <laughs> thought she was a type C narcissist, which is a covert narcissist because I looked uh. like the monster and everybody else thought she was amazing. But Obviously, um, all of that yeah. just pushed us further back. We did a podcast on it, too, actually. One on how to deal with the narcissist, which was earlier on. And then we did one more recently on the top 10 flags of a narcissist. The cool thing about the one we did, though, is we prove all of the flags wrong. Mm-hmm. And we debunk them, which you won't hear across anybody else really in the industry. And if you don't like that, I don't really care. But we're not goals not to get you to like us. It's to give you hope for sure. We're going to give you hope in the future and to inspire that things can be different. And so what it boils down to that thing, well, I'll say this one last thing. We'll move on to the next thing. But narcissist, I could look at, we talk to tens of thousands of people every year. I could look at all of them, every single one, every single person we've ever talked to, tens of thousands of thousands of people, and label every single one of them narcissist, including you listening to this right now. I could figure out how to label you narcissist. So if that's the true, then yeah, that, no, yeah. just don't, don't do it. And so obviously that was a really big mistake we made as we clung to those things. You know, we also did talk to pastors, which that's not their wheelhouse. And we have lots of pastor friends, lots of pastor friends. And yeah, they, love them. We, uh, yeah, we love our pastors and you should, you know, have a good relationship with your pastors, but their wheelhouse is not fixing marriages you know, and a lot, actually we help a lot of pastors, you know? And so helping one right now. So there's those aspects of like, they weren't taught, like our society is not taught these things and they're not, you know, they, they have to learn them as well. Like they weren't taught. And so they have their own struggles in that aspects. And also that there's just not what they're equipped to do. There's so much that goes into fixing a marriage. Any pastor that's worth his salt will tell you that it's not their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Our pastor will tell you that our previous pastor will tell you that they've told us that, um, you know, our pastors, we know from California, different things like that. We're not from there, but we just know a lot of pastors and people from there and they'll tell you the same thing. Anybody that's humble and actually is good at running a church and knows what they're doing and successful in it. They'll tell you the same thing. Yes. 
And so we did that. We also went to all the connect groups and the marriage classes at church as well, you know, which great if you're in a good place and just adding extra value and you should go to connect groups anyways to be plugged in so that you're not doing life alone, but to fix your marriage, to fix it when you have chaos and on this emotional roller coaster, neither of those things will work. Yeah. No, and not even close. Yes. Uh, and I remember there's just so many aspects that was unaddressed and it was just so, so surface and generic in those classes or connect groups and, you know, still things taken out of context. I still, to this day, I know of, you know, one of the most detrimental things that I was told was be the Proverbs 31 woman. Um, you know, so, okay. Neglect a lot of myself people misunderstand more. that on a whole nother level too. And that's why we, we talked in depth about that, you know, on, you know, earlier in an earlier episode as well, but it's that those aspects of there's just so much missing and things taken out of context. Like you can't just cling to one little thing and be like, Oh, this is my fix to everything. And it's a big mistake. A lot of people do not one thing is going to fix your marriage. I hate to tell you that it's not not one. You're screwed if you think that. Yeah. It's not this one little thing. And so most certainly like it's great to be plugged into church and into different groups and different, you know, friends there as long as, you know, they're the right kinds of groups in those aspects, but that's not going to be the complete fix. And so we were like, oh, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And then when the, the real root issues weren't solved, we would think that we were doing right and we would have some progress or we would think. Fake progress. False, <laughs> like, hey, we just did an episode on called the false, false summit. summit. There you go. Yeah, false summit. Go back and so, check it out. That's what fake false progress and false growth actually looks like. So we thought, we thought, we really thought we were right and doing good. And we would have a conversation where we didn't argue, which for us, that was massive. And, but like the root issues were still there. And so all of it, like you can only use willpower for so long before you break. And like, that's what happened. And so those just kept us cycling. We also tried, you know, just different marriage conventions and things like that as well. And still so, keeping us in that cycle. That marriage conventions. Uh, we also, and, and you know, going to marriage conventions, they get you all hyped up. Like those conventions do like they're designed to get you hyped up and blah, blah, blah. And usually there's like a, CTA call to action at the end, like with getting you buy into something. But regardless, I'm not against buying into stuff, by the way. Um, I'm all about investing, just it's in quality stuff. I must say, we're in two different courses right now, continuing our education because we're always growing. Yep, absolutely. Um, and we continue to. We spent over half a million on ourselves and the marriage and our own growth so far. So, yeah. Uh, that being said, though, other coaching programs and so called experts, and I use air quotes here that basically a lot of them, number one, have no business doing this. They haven't been through what you've been through. Uh, and like I said earlier, if they have, they haven't actually figured out the real secret to fixing it. They're on an emotional high. On top of that, other side of things, like they promise what I call unicorns and deliver a donkey. And there's a lot of programs out there. I'm not going to mention names here. I, I will if I'm on a private call with you. But like here, that's just prevents you from going to these idiots. But like when it comes down to it, there are a lot of things out there that do that. And we get people that come to us. All these other programs that you see on ads, like we run ads too. But all these other people that you see on programs and stuff like that, especially like the men's side of the programs and stuff, people come to us after that doesn't fix it. And then we fix it. Because they don't know, these other people don't know what they're doing. They, they, their advice is garbage. Their, their program's crap. They tell you to go no contact with the person or do stupid things that make you look needy or they, they it's just garbage. 
And then you don't even normally get to talk to the actual real people, like the original OGs like us. Like you get to yeah. talk to some success coach. And so this whole like no contact, like obviously that whole just make them miss you aspect. No, like that doesn't work. That's going to cause so many more problems in the relationship. It's going to give the false appearance that things are better without you. And it's going to be harder to get them to come back because it's going to be like, wow, it's peaceful. We're not arguing. It's not, they're not realizing that one, their side of the problem, but they're also not um, fixing anything and all the issues are there. It's just a form of avoidance. And so all of these different things, all of them all have one thing in common. All of them. And it's the fact that they're all band-aids. They only gave all of them, just gave little nuggets, little value, you know, a little piece of information here, a little piece here and like a this and this. And so it was like, you know, taking a band-aid and putting it over a gush gushing infected wound and calling it good. There, there wasn't a real foundation at all. And they did leave us stuck on the emotional roller coaster. And it got to the point of hopelessness. I luckily, like we're just more stubborn and God used that through us of, you know, we didn't give up after the first one or two things, but that's what most people do. It's like pride. Oh. Yeah. I just, I didn't, I, I wasn't a person that quit. I'm still not, I hate quitting. It's, but most people end up going like, well, I tried counseling. It didn't work. So I'm done, you know? And that's why it's so important not to go to one of these band-aid band, band routes, because if you do, it can bring up that defeat of hopelessness. Oh, oh, well I tried now there's no hope. And that's so not true. There's so much that you can do in so many ways and that haven't been uncovered yet. And, you know, so that's what we recognize is, you know, that they were a complete fix. None of those were a complete fix. So that was a big aspect. So you're asking, how did we fix it? How did we get off the emotional roller coaster? You're like, okay, that's all great. I can I understand. I've been in a lot of those, but how do you fix it? Yeah, hundred percent. And we get it. You might be at the end of your rope right now. Like you might have lost hope or you're at that place where we were at in that deep dark pit where you can't really see a light out of it or maybe we're a glimmer of sparkle of light at the moment I don't know but the thing is we hear that often people tell us well we gave them hope and we love that that's but, like you know, that's what we yeah. want to, because if nothing else like hearing our stories should give you hope that you know through all of that all of it uh here we are healed together happily we're not, yeah we're not perfect we never will be until we get to heaven but um we have an amazing marriage and, and I'll tell you this, people, th some people think they have an amazing marriage, but they have a Ryan's steakhouse version of marriage where you get like the cheap $5 steak. And then there's a difference between that and a Vegas $500 steak. Yeah. <laughs> it's just massively, massively different. And if there's no trust in the marriage, it's not a good marriage. You know, you're not, you're not good. So you can't be like, oh, we're good, but they, they don't trust me to leave the house. Or, you know, if I mention this or this topic, you know, they, they lose their mind and we fight. Yep. I that's, was that's unhealed. You're not healed. That's not a good marriage. I was literally talking with a guy the other, just a few days ago. And, um, and he was talking about how, oh, I know how to fix it. And I'm like, really now? Why haven't you? Why haven't you then? <laughs> I'm just curious. Why haven't you done it yet? Well, I just, it just hasn't started working. I was like, no, you've been doing this for a number of months. This should have already been fixed. Yeah. Like, honestly, you don't know what you're doing at all. Zero. Um, and then also on top of that, like we get people that like I had another guy just the other day, um, that was telling me about how, Oh, he would rank his marriage at like an eight or nine out of 10. And like, as far as good, 10 would be good. One would be bad. And I'm like, so we're just curious. Like when you two talk, 
you know, in terms of emotional roller coasters, like, are you able to talk about deep, deep rooted things and actually like solve these things? Like, oh no, she shuts down, or we get in a big argument. I'm like, oh, so your marriage is an eight out of ten. That does sounds like more like a one or a two to me, honestly. There's no freaking way. That's not healthy. So don't lie to yourself. Be honest. Like have that true evaluation, right? It it doesn't do you any good to build up and pretend and like walk in like that bliss, like that ignorant bliss of and pride. Yeah, and because it's not going to help. We see people all the time walk out, literally just walk out and be done because of you know it's things not changing. And so and then they're like, well, I thought things were good. So don't lie to yourself and be be honest. Like really evaluate where you guys are you know, in that aspect and then seek help so that you don't have to be like this. And Real help. Yes. Real help. Let's really clarify that. And you can get off this ride forever. Like you can, you just have to stop putting band-aids on the gushing wounds. Yeah. You keep using, the problem is, the problem is, this is the reason why we were staying on the emotional roller coaster. So going back, how do you get off the emotional roller coaster? How do you get off the emotional roller coaster? It's simple. It's one simple thing. You have to stop using tools and tactics and start actually building all of the correct foundations. Now, it's not one thing. That is one thing in concept, right? But when that's a very loaded statement. But you can't keep using all the tools and tactics. Like that does, That's going to keep you on the emotional roller coaster. Yes. Tools and tactics alone will keep you on the emotional roller coaster. We're not against tools. We use tools. Yes. But even our tools are garbage without actual foundations. They're, yes. a lot, they're significantly better than anyone else's tools. But like when it comes down to it, yes, they'd keep you on a much higher emotional roller coaster for a longer period of time. But at the same time, you're going to come crashing way harder with our tools because they're going to put you up way higher. So it's still garbage at the end of the day without the proper foundations. You're yeah. like, I'm surprised you would say that about your own program. Yeah, I would. Because if you don't have the proper foundations with the tools, it's garbage. It's just what it is. And you'll find that we're actually very honest because there's no point in lying uh, at all. No. So that's why we, we tell you like, you know, what you, what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. We also tell you honestly, whether we think we are a good fit, whether we can help you or not, those aspects, like what's next best steps we, for you. We don't help everyone. Yeah. Just be very clear about that. We don't, we, we will not help someone that has a fixed mindset. We won't help someone that has done growth, the growth mind. There's a lot of, they have to be coachable. Like there's, we will not help just anyone. I don't care if I've had millionaires get on the phone with me and I've turned them down. Yeah. So it's not I, about, it's not about money. Nope, not at all. And so these other other aspects are much more important in that. So have that real evaluation with yourself and, you know, what have you been trying and, you know, acknowledge how it's been impacting you and keeping you in this cycle because you have to build all the right foundations. And mindset is a huge aspect. And this one, honestly, most people get offended right here. We talk a lot about different mindset and, you know, just shifting perspective. And I get people offended all the time. You know, I'm like, Let, let's just look at things from a different way. And like, well, I don't have to prove myself to you i'm like you're right you don't and i'm not asking you to you totally took that out of context clearly you're and, not a healthy individual <laughs> and it's just like no like let's like we're, we're i'm not you know uh i'm i'm guiding the direction of the mindset we're gonna we have to grow in mindset if you want to keep your same beliefs then you're going to keep the same results that you've been getting if you want a different result you're going to have to change your mindsets so in all aspects it's not just one either it's in all aspects so if you want a different life your mindset's going to have to change you're going to have to be open and willing to hear things and uh, here's some hard things 
I still am open to hearing hard things that I don't always like because I'm still challenged to grow further. I'm not at my peak. I won't be until I die. I'll continue to learn and be, you know, receiving constructive criticism back too. So you have to build all those right foundations in mindset. And, you know, and that's in so many different, there's different levels of mindset that we address and we teach on, but that's, that's a huge aspect. Yeah. Mindset also like, look, here's the thing. The only thing that can destroy marriage is if is a fixed mindset. That's it. It's the only thing. Anything else, literally everything and anything else can be overcome with the right tools, the right foundations, the right steps, all that stuff. Like now, if you want to stay in your comfort zone, <laughs> you're not going to be able to fix your marriage. I hate to no. tell you that. Like if you got, you know, I had someone just the other day tell us like, I think we're going to go somewhere else where we're more comfortable. <laughs> Like that's cool. not, not a good cool. fit for us. Cool. If you don't want to get out of your comfort zone, then you're not a good fit for to work with us. I, mean, I hate to tell you that. Like not everyone is a good fit to work with us. And don't get don't don't fool yourself. You get to work with us. We don't get to work with you when it comes down to these things. So you gotta understand that. There's a, tens of thousands of people that come to us every year. We're two people. And yeah. on the comfort zone, all good things come outside your comfort zone. You can't stay in your comfort zone and expect a different result. You can't continue doing the same exact things, living in the same little bubble in the same way, doing the same things and then have a drastically different life. Like the, the, there's no logic behind that. So if you want more, you're going to have to become more. You are going to have to grow in your mindsets. You are going to be challenged. You're going to be pushed out of your comfort zone. You're going to be pushed to become and step into who God's actually called you to be. He didn't call you to be stagnant. He didn't say, hey, become like stagnant, green, gross pond water. Like, no, he calls us to truly step out and to make an impact into the world and, you know, to fulfill our purpose. But we can't do that inside our comfort zone. Uh, I love it when Moses was arguing with the burning bush about having to go speak to Pharaoh. He wasn't confident in his abilities to speak. And, uh, you know, it, that was not in his comfort zone, but guess what? He did it. Talk about having the weight of the world on your shoulders. Right. And massively out of his comfort zone. And you think about all of these things that the prophets and things had to do. It was out of their comfort zone. It was not like, Oh, like this is great. This is easy. You know, like, no, And so, yes, growth will happen outside your comfort zone and you have to build the right foundations and be a true, healthy individual. That does not mean physically. That's a little pet peeve of mine. We're all for physical, by the way. I have a home gym, big home gym, a nutritionist I work with, all those things. Like, but it's an important aspect, but it's not what I mean when I'm talking about being a healthy individual. I'm talking about emotionally and mentally and spiritually physically is also a part. So there's four key areas that play a role into being a healthy individual, but most people's emotional and mental like health is so like minute. It is, it is not there. It's almost like non-existent. Not only that emotional intelligence is not even there either. We're just not taught that. So and don't be offended. Like it's not your fault that you weren't taught. It's your responsibility to learn, but it's not your fault that you weren't taught. And it doesn't make any your parents bad either. They weren't taught. This is just like how our society has been built up. There's just so many different beliefs and directions that we've been led astray. And, and But now, as an adult and listening to this, we've made you aware your responsibility to fix. Yep. Also, you have to develop all the foundations in your marriage. But you can't do that until you develop all the foundations and being a healthy individual in mindset. That's why we have mindset phase, healthy individual phase, marriage phase, and tools. If you don't build the foundations and being in your, in your healthy individual phase, you can't have a healthy marriage. 
can you even approach being in a healthy marriage? That's the first, like, what makes me laugh about these classes at church and different places like that and, like, all these marriage retreats. You already failed before you even went. You literally have already failed before you even went because it's about working on your marriage, not working on you as a healthy individual. You can't have a healthy marriage without two healthy individuals. Yes, it only takes one to save a healthy marriage, one healthy individual to save a marriage, but it takes two to have one. Yes. Like, you can't, you, you cannot work on the marriage until you build healthy foundations. And I even tell people, like, yes, we teach them how to communicate in the marriage phase and other things too, but, and we talk about deep-rooted things and get past the deep issues that they've never been able to talk about, so they never have to talk about it again, and they solve it and fix it for good. But I tell people, look, you will not be able to have this conversation unless you become a healthy individual. It will be garbage, at minimum on one end, but you ideally would like it to have it on two. Yes. And so it's super important in that aspect. And really, honestly, like, oh, this is, it's going to impact all your relationships in, in uh, that aspect. Cause if you're not a healthy individual, all your relationships are going to be suffering. But, um, in that aspect, but developing all the foundations in marriage is super important. And then you have the right tools and tactics in place after that. So if you notice tools and tactics are last, that's not the first step. It's the last step you have to have all of the other foundations first and before we dive into those tools and tactics. Absolutely. So you have to have the tools and tactics, which is also true, but it's the least important part of our entire program, entire in, in anyone's journey to becoming and healing in marriage. It's, it's the least important thing, but it is important. Don't get me wrong. I uh, just have the right ones and the right ones that go the in-depth way into things. Cause if you don't have the right ones that go the actual depth that need to go, then it's garbage. Like I had a past client went to a real estate event recently and they did something. One of the tools was very similar to what we did. And he was like, yeah, he's like, cause he was doing, he's like, Oh, this is similar to what we did there. And, but it's like very, 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 very surface level. And he's just laughed. He's like, yeah, they, this is, this is cool. But I mean, it's, these people are diving anywhere into the beliefs and then like the things like, it's just, and it was funny because he's like, he, he could actually help people there actually dive significantly deeper. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was just funny, but yeah. And so the last thing that you need in order to really stay off that emotional roller coaster is after you develop the right mindset, become healthy individual, have the foundations in the marriage and have the right tools and tactics is to keep investing into yourself, into your marriage and keep growing. Never stop. I've mentioned several times on today's episode talking about how we invest into ourselves. We are constantly growing. We are not stagnant. We do not stay in our comfort zone. That's not just what we teach. We live it. Like we live what we teach in our house. So this is, we sets the examples for our kids. Our kids are invested. They grow. They're pushed outside their comfort zone. You know, we're constantly learning, growing in that aspect. And so if, cause if you stop, then and you stop and you stop implementing, you start, you stop, then you're just going to get what the same results. Yeah. Um, like I said, we've invested a lot of money into ourselves and marriage and different things like that. Uh, and it, you should always keep investing into things into yourself. The best investment you can always make is yourself. Oh yes. Hands down. It pays hundred X, you know, 200 X return on everything. Uh, it, it's insane. Like, um, God says to seek wisdom and it will cost you everything. Um, but man, you'll be, have lived an amazing blessed life with it. <laughs> as long as you have the right heart or with God in it, but yeah, um, you'll, you'll have an amazing blessed life in all aspects. And what I hate seeing is that honestly, there's so many people that have such low self-worth and see themselves as pretty much worthless that they don't see themselves as worth investing in. 
And so they end up not putting any kind of resources into themselves. And they're like, they'd oh, rather go like, pay off debt or some crap. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, so by the way, like you are the best investment. If once, uh, and we see it all the time, like, so we don't promote, hey, we're going to get you promotions. Like, that's not what we do. It's just the side effect of being a healthy individual. Uh, and I love it. The people get promoted all the time that go through our program and like three, four times at work in eight weeks. You're just like, the, the leadership capabilities that you've established and are demonstrating. And it's like, yeah, cause we, that's what we teach in those, like, you know, and, uh, so it's important to understand that you are worth the investment. You are worth time. You're worth energy. You're worth monetary investments too. Like you matter. So which yeah, which is kind of funny. Like all the people that like, no, we don't have a, we, ours is more of an emotional and marriage return on investment when it comes to our program and stuff. But ironically, I would say almost everyone that goes through our program, as long as they're intentional, they will have a monetary ROI in their life in some sort of way. Yeah. Like it's just, whether it's jobs or whether it's careers or whether it's businesses, like they usually increase and live their, you know, they're kingdom minded and they, they grow and they're healthy individuals. That's what happens. I love it. And so in that aspect, you know, invest in yourself, grow and, you know, we just really wanted to inspire you today and give you hope and get off, like encourage you to get off the emotional roller coaster. If we can do it and we help hundreds of people all the time do it as well, there is hope for you. Yeah. And I know when we release this episode, it's going to be Thanksgiving week. And uh, we just want to say that, you know, really practice being thankful and grateful for everything in your life. And I would just encourage you on Thanksgiving to spend a lot of time just really reflecting on everything that you're grateful for in your life. And we're grateful for all of you. We're great. Uh, I hope, and I hope you're grateful for the people in your life. And so um, I hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving full of amazing food as always. And, uh, yeah. and enjoy, enjoy the company and just make it an intentional, amazing Thanksgiving because it's your choice to do that. But we love you. God loves you. And we will see you after the holiday. Have a good one. Bye. Now that's all we have for today's show. And remember prayer without action is just dead faith. So make sure to implement everything you learned here today from today's show. By the way, hope you enjoyed this episode on the marriage 2.0 podcast. And if you did, please make sure you share this episode on your social media and tag at Tommy and Desnica. And if you did enjoy it, make sure to subscribe to the marriage 2.0 podcast and give us a five-star rating. However, listen, most importantly, so many people are at the end of their ropes, crying themselves to sleep every night. And we can only spread our message and story so far here. So we need you to make sure that you really share the knowledge with others that really need it so that we can impact them. Yes. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So make sure to join our free Facebook group, Christian Marriage Coaching, for support, daily content, and free trainings to help you go from roommates to teammates. Have an amazing day and God bless.